high schools and teach values in there. And we know the basis of values is God's word. So in essence, we get to teach God's word to these students. We started out as just the fillers. Hey, we have an absentee teacher. Uh, Call Hector up and we'll fill that class. But they noticed something. The teachers and the faculty and and the parents were noticing a change in the kids' lives. And they said, you know what? We don't want them just to be a filler teacher. We want this to be a a class. And they actually made us part of the curriculum. And in this high school, we get to teach. Every 7th and 8th grade student that goes through the school has to go through our class. And they have to sit there for an hour and a half and listen to me. And it's so awesome uh, to be able to do that. There's certain topics that we'll talk about. And then we'll separate the class. My wife will come in and and help out. (coughs) But it's... It's so neat. We've seen teens uh, through this ministry accept Christ, not only by coming to church activities, but actually in, in, in the school. They'll, be, they'll have a break between classes, and some will catch me at that time and ask, him, ask me to be able to, uh, to help them know for sure that their, uh, that their eternal destiny is, is heaven. And some have even asked in, in the middle of class, Pastor, I want to know I'm going to heaven. And we've been able to take care of it there. And it's such an opportunity, such an opportunity. Uh, last year we had, it was getting close to the, the end of the year, we had been inviting teens to come to activities for, for the past four years, and no one had come. And then all of a sudden we had 23, I think it was, uh, uh, teens from the high school come to, to a youth activity. Several got saved, and then a week, a month later we had another one, and, and, and some other ones got saved. So it's, it's been neat to see how God is working <coughs> through that work. And uh, God is good, and they're actually asking us to, uh, to give, give them another day uh, so we can teach all of the high school also. So it would be uh, 7th grade all the way through 11th grade. That's, that's when they usually stop uh, there in the high school. But uh, we're so excited for that, that opportunity, and it's been so neat to see these kids. Uh, some who we taught in, in, in uh, BBSs, all of a sudden they're, they're high school age, and they're like, hey, I remember you. I said, I don't remember you. How do I know you? He's like, no, we were at your church for VBS, and we loved it. I said, oh, that's great. Why don't you come to church now? But uh, well, just uh, little by little, little by little, the seed has been sown, and we know that God will uh, show the fruit and growth. Actually, one of our most faithful families has come because of this, uh, this project. She used to be the secretary in the high school, uh, and she started coming. Her husband uh, and, and now her, her husband, and uh, their boy uh, have gotten saved. And uh, we're so excited. She's actually taking care of the kids' class while my wife is away. Another project that we've been able to do and get involved in is we work with the National Guards. If you go to the display in the back, you'll see, uh, you'll see my wife teaching in the classroom. We were able to do uh, some elementary classes, too, at one point. You also see a picture of guards having a dinner. It's actually Christmas dinner. And it's not common for guards to invite somebody over to the command post for Christmas dinner. That's like their home. That's their family. That's, that's, that, that's them letting you in. But after a couple of years of working with them and them noticing something different, we weren't there to get something out of them. We were there actually to be a blessing to them. As a matter of fact, their church ladies, uh, they can't come to the, to the post with us, but they, during Christmas and New Year's, they bake cookies or goodies and different things so we can give it to our guards. And it means so much to them. It means the world. Uh, when we hear National Guard uh, here in the United States, we're like, oh, great, help has arrived. Well, when you hear National Guard there, the, the, that's not the thought that comes to most people's mind. It's, oh, the killers, the, the thieves, the, the bad people have arrived. 
And so they have a, a bad reputation, especially with the riots that happened in 2014, 2017. People didn't really care for them. But uh, we were able to explain to our people, they're just sinners who need to know the truth. And we need to pray for them, and we need to uh, be able to teach them God's word. And it took us a little bit, but now that our, our people pray for them, they, like I said, they get involved uh, during Christmas time to help. And it's neat to see the attitude, how it's changed in our people's lives. Now, some are still bad guys, but some have gotten saved. And we're so thankful for that opportunity that God has given to us to minister there with the National Guard, there with the school. And uh, in the video, if you paid attention, we said, we hope to start three new churches. Did you guys hear that? Like, no, be honest. We said, we said it. Well, when we get back, we're actually going to be teaming up with another pastor friend of ours. Uh, we are, give me a second. <clears throat> we actually sit uh, on the mountain rim about a mile up. He sits on the coast right off the water, and there is a town in between us called Carayaca. And the plan would be, this man has the experience. They've started six churches in the past five years, <clears throat> and, well, we have the funds. So we're going to team up with them. And uh, we already found a, a building. We already sent the money to, to make the deposit. And so when we get back, our unexperienced church will get to uh, work at church planting without having all the pressure that comes upon a church of church planting. But they'll be able to, to do this with all their people who know how to do this. And so we're excited about how that's going to affect our church, impact our church. And uh, <clears throat> we're praying that God will do something great in the town of Carajaca, along in the town of uh, El Junquito, and, and all of Venezuela. And we are so thankful that God has given us this privilege uh, in a place where most, most missionaries just can't get in. And I'm not just talking about Americans. We've had a, we had a guy who was a Mexican trying to get in, and he had some issues and wasn't able to, to, to stay. So it's exciting because our people understand that the only way we're going to reach Venezuela is if we, as Venezuelans, go out and do the work. Uh, since we got there, my wife and I have been able to be involved in the Bible college that was started there in the capital city almost every semester, teaching and helping uh, these young men going out to start churches in different areas. And it's so neat to see the desire and, and the heart of these young men, young men and women to go out and do God's work and church plant there in, in the country. And we can't wait to go back. We're going to be here just a, a short, short trip, uh, five weeks. We've uh, two and a half weeks down, just almost there, two and a half weeks to go. And uh, we can't wait to go back. By the way, on the building, we actually, uh, a month after we paid for the first half, they called us and said, hey, do you want the second half? We're like, uh, yes, we would like the second half. He said, give us an offer. I said, well, uh, we're not so pressed right now. So we threw out an offer. We'll give them 10%. They were asking for 20% down and then we'll pay you in in july last time we had talked we had talked about march i said but since we have phase one we're not so rushed to get into a building and they actually called us back and they said we like your offer come in and let's get this done so we paid the 10 percent, and we're praying that god will provide the rest of the funds that we need while we've been on uh here in the states we've already uh received confirmation that we have been able to raise uh eleven eleven thousand dollars uh, towards this debt that we now have. And we're so excited, and we know our God can do it. We have an awesome God, a mighty God. And 
if I had time to tell you all the things, all the details, uh, there's no doubt that this is what God has for us. And we know that he'll provide for what he has for his people. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, if you guys have any questions, we'd love to talk about Venezuela. <clears throat> but I need to get into the message. So if you have any questions, we'll be standing in the back. Please, uh, my wife, uh, talk to her uh, if you have any questions. We would love to share about what God is doing and the blessing it is to be down in this country. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 2. <coughs> now, we're going to be talking about a familiar passage, but I hope I can get something out of it that maybe we haven't seen or maybe we... We see something that we had seen before but maybe had forgotten that can be a blessing. But before I get into the passage and into the message, I'd like to ask a quick question. How many of you have ever needed, let's be honest, have ever needed help with something? Okay, good, good, good. I'm not the only one. Uh, We've all needed at one point or another help with something. I remember when uh, my wife and I had been married I think no more than two years we needed to move and I think a week or so before the move uh, I had to be taken to the emergency room with with pain and uh, I had a kidney stone the doctor said there's no lifting for you Uh, so I was like I'm supposed to move I can't I can't not lift anything he says we'll figure out somebody to help you guys move and I felt like the biggest bum I mean I was glad we had seminary students there uh, at Westgate uh, to help us but I'm like Hey, guys, you know, carry this. And I was just, I felt, ugh. But, you know, I needed help at that point. My wife couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it. And so we needed to ask for help. And it's, it's a humbling thing, especially as a man, to, to admit, I can't do it. I need somebody to help me. But we've all needed it at one point or another. How many of you can say, I have been the one who has helped someone else at one point or another? <clears throat> I think most, most hands, some... Some, some I'm hoping yes. They're just, I'm just going to say yes, yes. Okay. We've all at one point helped somebody. <coughs> some for, if we're honest, some for personal benefits or some just because out of the goodness of your heart you wanted to help. But if we're honest, there's some people who, who it's easier to say yes to than others. You know, when that annoying neighbor that... Uh, always makes a mess in the front, never cleans it up, always leaves the trash uncovered so the dogs come and knock it down and then you have to clean it up. Ask for help. It's like, I guess so. But then when that nice little old lady that lives on the other side of you who, who's always been willing to help you and bakes you uh, cupcakes and, and brings you things, you know, asks you for something, sure, I'll do it. I'll... I'm not the only carnal one. Come on now. Uh, it's harder to help those that are just... Mm, it happens when it comes to family it's usually a little easier i remember one time my family and i when i was a kid uh, i'm not going to say younger because I'm, I'm i'm so young uh, when we were, when i was a kid we were driving down to uh, a vacation site and in venezuela we don't have holes we have craters so this crater swallowed the car and we had three flat tires like that don't ask me how the other one did not end up in the hole but it was, uh, it was a bad point. You know, you can't call AAA down there. There's no, oh, maybe the highway patrol will come and help us. There is, I hope we don't get robbed out here, and I have no idea how we're going to get help. 
we actually had taken one of our suitcases, one of our bags, and, and put it uh, away from the car, kind of like the triangles you guys have here in the States. You know, uh, we don't have that. We just put whatever we find out there. So we put that bag, and somebody actually had slowed down. I was like, oh, somebody's going to help. And no, somebody you know, got halfway out of the window and reached down trying to get that suitcase. So we're like, no, we took that away and just put like a branch or something. But it was like, this is not good. We really need some, some serious help. A car drove down, and then all of a sudden turned back around, and he pulled over in front of us. We're like, I wonder if they're going to help. And they got out, and it was actually my uncle who was coming back from that same vacation spot. We just didn't know uh, that they were. This is before cell phones. So it's, it's like, why didn't you just call someone? You know, no, uh, not happening. And, and so they, they stopped and helped us, and we're like, wow, how did you guys know it was us? And my uncle's like, I didn't. He says, my daughter or my cousin said, you know, that's grandpa's car. We need to stop. And my uncle's like, I'm not stopping. I don't know them. And she's like, dad, dad, that's grandpa's car. We need to stop. And the only reason my, gra- my uncle turned around because my, my cousin convinced him that it was family and it was safe to help us. So they came back and, and rescued us. But uh, we're thankful for that. But it, we would have been in a rough uh, rough situation if that wouldn't have happened. I'm glad my, my mom had a good relationship with her brother and he was willing to, to help us out in, in that point. But uh, in the Bible here, we see a passage that there's a man who, who also needed some help. And let's take a look at him here in Mark chapter number two. <coughs> it says here in Mark two, verse one, it says, And again, he entered into Capernaum. This is Jesus that entered in after some days. And it was a noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, I want to stop there. Go ahead and read before I continue on to the passage and mention a few things about this. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and hear your word. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of these church members who are here, who are hungry, who are willing. And I pray that you use me this evening to, to preach your word, give me clarity of thought, calm my heart, and let, let this, this message be an encouragement and a blessing to those that are here. Thank you for all that you're doing in this church. And in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Folks, something neat that happened uh, 8 o'clock news or, or Channel 8 news, I don't know what the, the channel, famous channel around here is, but there was no news stations that came by the house in Capernaum, which was probably uh, Peter's house, and said, hey, Jesus is here, come and see him. So how is it, let's think about this, how is it that the house was full? Well, folks, it's very simple. People who either knew of Jesus or had seen Jesus or were hearing Jesus said, this guy is special. And they began to spread the word. Folks, uh, it's impressive how when we spread the word that somebody that can change life has arrived, how people begin to show up. And if we're excited about it, usually people will get excited about it. Say, hey, you got to go to the zoo. They got a new panda. Oh, a new panda. That's so cool. But, you know, how do they find out about new panda? Because somebody told them. And why do they come? Because somebody told them there was a new panda, and it's just so cute, and you got to see it. Right? 
Well, well, folks, it's the same thing with God. If we want people to come, we need to tell them that he's here. We need to tell them, hey, you can find the guy that can change your life if you come to Open Door Bible Baptist Church. There is something special there, and you've got to come in here. And you've got to come and see. There is something going on, folks. And if we're faithful to do that, God will bless. The Bible says, I'd like to have this problem, Pastor, that, that the doors, it, it was full. They were packed to the gills. The doors were open, and people were all squeezing. Let me in. That'd be a nice, that'd be a nice feeling, you know. The church is full. But this is what was going on. The house was full. It says in verse number 3, and they, <clears throat> and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had, brought, uh, they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. All right. So let's get this... Let's get this picture in our minds. Folks, we have to be imaginative. We have to be creative when we read God's Word. I'm not saying we take it out of context, but we use our mind. I don't know. you. Uh, my wife and I like to listen to, to Pastor Pirates, and we're like little kids just sitting there listening and trying to imagine the scene that's going on. Television has made us a, l- a little bit lazy, and we don't use our imagination. But when we read God's Word, we have to use our imagination. Yeah, four guys came, and they carried a sick man, yada, 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 that happened. But let's... let's, let's Let's get the picture here. Uh, the first thing we see that there is a man who has a need. And if we're honest, he had several needs. First, let's see, he had some physical needs. He was paralyzed. Now, today we have uh, the blessings of technology that, you know, if you're paralyzed, well, you can still get around. You have motorized wheelchairs that can help you get from here to there. Some that you, you even blow it, and, and it does everything that you need. It's It's amazing. Uh, how far uh, we've come in those areas. But back then, if you were paralyzed, you weren't going anywhere. If that's where they laid you, that's where, they, that's where you stayed. If you wanted to get from one point to another, you either had to wait for somebody to come and get you, or you literally just had to drag yourself from where you were at. If he was just sitting there, laying there, <clears throat> as most people... Sometimes you, you, you got to go. What's he going to do? It probably stunk where he was at. To be honest, he was probably laying in some dirty stuff. It was not a pretty sight. A lot of people probably just kind of, he's on that side of the street, I'm going to walk on this side of the street. Just kind of like, oh. just avoided him. It's like, oh, man, can he pick another corner? It's like, no, really, I can't. I can't move. You want to take me to another corner? It was that bad. You know, he could not move. He was paralyzed. He was helpless. He didn't have a job, and he had no hope. You know, nowadays, somebody with disabilities can still get a job, and, and, and they can go on with their lives, and it's great. But back then, if you had a disability, you were stuck begging. That, was, that became your profession, and if you weren't good at it, you weren't going to eat. So this man was, was sick. This man was probably laying in filth. This man was probably very thin, malnourished, and just not pleasant to be around. 
That was just his physical need. Now think about it. If you were just laying there with no hope in sight, depending continually upon others, how would, how would you feel? <clears throat> Chipper, right? I'm guessing not. Now, there's a few people that have a chipper spirit no matter what's going on. But I I think even if he did at one point, it it had worn out. But he was probably feeling sad, helpless, discouraged, alone. Are, Are we getting this picture, folks, of where this man is at? But beyond that, that man not only had a physical need, emotional need, but he also had a spiritual need. The man was unsaved. How do we know this? Well, because it tells us later on in the story that eventually it says Jesus not only heals him, but he saves him. He forgives him of his sins. So this man, worse than his physical, worse than his emotional, was his spiritual need for a Savior. This guy that probably everybody in town avoided and had no hope. Do we have that in our mind, folks? Now let's keep reading. We read that there were... Four guys who brought him in. Now, let's figure out what we know about the four guys. Now, a pastor can correct me. Maybe he's done a lot more research on this, but I haven't found anywhere where it tells us their names. I haven't found anywhere where it tells us what their relationship to him was. You know, we don't know if they were friends of this guy, if they were family to this guy. I'd like to take some, some liberty when, when, when I'm thinking about this story. I, I could be off, but let's just think about it this way. I think that maybe, just maybe, there was a man walking towards this house. A man who had heard about Jesus and what he was doing and what he had done. The Lord, the Son of, Jesus, the Son of God who had... Healed the sick in other opportunities, had helped the needy, and was preaching these great lessons and messages. And he says, Wow, I want to be a part of that. So he was making his way there. And maybe on his way there, he happened to come by and see this layman. Probably someone who he had seen before. But just this time, something happened in him and he said, you know what? He needs some help. And there's someone that can help him close by. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I can't do it on my own. He's skinny. But it's a distance away and it's going to get a little heavy. And, and I saw him, uh, uh, I have it, uh, no, I forgot it, Liam, come on up, Le- Leland, come on up, <clears throat> I was looking around for a strong, young, strapping young man, I said, oh, this is not the guy, but I'll take him anyways, <clears throat> so if you come up here, uh, does this chair seem heavy, does it look heavy to you, you think you can hold it up, okay, let's see, where's your, where's your wife, <laughs> all right. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I make you look bad here. All right, hold on to it. Now, don't just hold it. Stretch it out. Right there. You got it? How is it? No big deal. Okay, just stay there for a while. Okay, so he's looking at this guy, and he says, well, he's not too heavy, but uh, the distance is far. I might need to get some help. So 
he just starts looking around and he probably just said, hey, 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 can you help me? Uh, he said, what do you need? See that guy? Yeah. I need to carry him. Are you crazy? He stinks. Get somebody else. But, but there's somebody that can help him over there. I don't want to help you. Are, are you? Okay, fine. Uh, hey, 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 bud, how you doing? You doing all right? Hey, I was wondering if you can help me out with something. He's like, see this guy? Can you help me? What do you want to do with him? I need to carry him to Jesus. Who's else? You know the guy that's doing some stuff over there? Will you help me? And he just kept going. And finally, he found one. And then, and then he found another. And then he, he, he found a fourth. And then, all right, all right, let's go. Let's do this. How's it going over there? <laughs> what happened? I thought it was light. All right, he's, he's got it. He's got it. So now you got four guys. Each one has a corner of this stinky bed, and they began to carry the lame man. So, are we seeing it, folks? So we have these four guys. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they came from. But there's certain characteristics about, about at least one of them that encourage the rest. We see that this man showed love. Love is not just a word or butterflies that you feel in your stomach, you know, that's indigestion that you're feeling, actually. Uh, love is when you're willing to do something for another and put their needs above yourself. That's love. You know, I love my wife. So sometimes when she has a craving for hot dogs, instead of making her suffer by eating the bread like a normal person would, you know, w- w- with their hot dog, I, I get a bowl and cut my, my sausage up and stick it in. And, oh, this is good, honey. And I don't want to be a temptation. She's gluten-free. And, and so uh, I do it because I, I love her. And, and now I, I actually like eating it that way. It's, we had a lot more stuff in Venezuela than, than you guys do. But I do it because I love her. I avoid bringing certain goodies to the house because it's a temptation to her. Uh, and sometimes I eat it in the car before I make it home. But uh, I don't bring it home. I do what I can, okay? Uh, but that, that's what love is. And this gentleman was willing to show love for somebody who didn't know love. Putting his needs above his own. And he was... How's it going? You're good, okay. And he was willing, willing to help. So we see that there was love shown here. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. 37, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When we love ourselves, we're willing to do things for ourselves. Well, he was willing to to do things for another. Now, another thing that we see was shown here was compassion. Compassion. Compassion is not just feeling bad for someone. Oh, poor that guy. Stinks. He looks like he's cold. <laughs> Bummer. Now, compassion is saying, hey, that guy is freezing. I have like two or three jackets in my closet that I don't ever touch. I could probably go to my house, get it, and give it to him. That's compassion. Going and doing something to better the situation that the other person is in. Compassion. So this man's compassion and this man's love encouraged at least three other guys to help him out to do something uncommon. To carry the layman. 
to the house where Jesus was. Now, what these four men did was above and beyond what anybody else was willing to do. They also deter- they also showed another characteristics. Now, uh, would it be easier if you had somebody else to help you? It would be, wouldn't it? All right, uh, come on up, come on up. Help him out. Grab the other side. Grab the other side. He looks like he's struggling there. All right. I don't know much. Well, how much help this will be, but hey, you know. Uh, so they, we showed, what was the first thing? Love. Oh, if you don't get it, I'll go back. I'll go back. The first thing was love. The second thing was compassion. The third thing is dedication. They gave it their all. Not just anybody would have carried the man. It took time and effort to do this. It slowed them down uh, on their goal of getting to the house where Jesus was. It's one thing running on your own. It's another thing when you're, uh, you're trying to get in shape and you have to run with somebody else who's a little slower than you. It's like, really? Come on. Right? And, and so uh, this guy slowed him down. You, know, you could probably get from here to the end of the door a lot faster by yourself than with the chair or with your helper here, right? <laughs> say, like, just give me the, let go of the chair. You probably, but, you know, it slowed him down. It took time and it's taking effort to hold a chair, right? A chair that wasn't really heavy, but it, the longer you hold it, the heavier. You, do, you, do you need some help too there? But do you need help? Or are you okay? You got this? We're gonna, we're, let's call the, uh, come on, come on up. <clears throat> Grab the other side. Uh, and let's just give him the, the fourth helper. Uh, um, the other uh, Montoro here, come on up. <clears throat> Just want them each grab one end there. You have four, so, okay. So this is much easier now. And, and I bet it's going to become a lot easier. He, well, uh, it, it should become a lot easier. Okay. So four guys holding one chair, a lot better. Okay. <clears throat> so what these guys, they showed love, compassion, and determination. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, dedication. Now they showed Determination. They were determined to keep going no matter what. They did not give up even when it seemed that all hope was lost. Folks, it was not easy walking with somebody to, from point A to point B. Now, we don't know how far it was, but we know it was far enough that they could not see that the house was full. Would we agree with that? So, I, if I'm looking, I'm like, nope, it's full. Sorry, buddy. I thought about it, but no, I can't. No, they, they had to walk with him. And I can imagine them getting closer and like, oh, that looks pretty full. What are we going to do? What are we going to tell him? Like, hey, sorry, bud, we carried you out here. Now we're going to leave you in the middle of nowhere. You know, let's think about this. What's going on through their heads as they're coming closer to the house and there's no room? Some of us would be like, oh, are you kidding me? We got to carry him back? You know, that'd be our thought. Like, oh, why did I listen to this crazy guy? But you know what? I don't know if it's just the fact that they didn't want to carry him back that made him get on the roof or or if they were just that determined to get him in front of Jesus. But they got on the roof. Now, most houses at this time had some sort of stairs on the side uh, because the roofs were flat and they were used to to sometimes lay in the summer to to cool you off or, or for storage up there. But they got up there and they began to do something strange. They didn't just take him to the roof. They began to... Tear open the roof. Now, how would you feel if you were inside your house and all of a sudden you get like this dust particles falling on your head and you're like, what's going on there? 
And all of a sudden, you look up and, and you see sunlight where there should not be sunlight. Which is like, oh, hey, guys, I really wanted that sunroof. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know, this was, this was not a good situation. <clears throat> Folks, when these guys were doing this, they were probably looking at him like, what are these weirdos doing? Oh, my gosh, how can they carry him? He stings. Oh, get away. People were saying all sorts of things to these guys. Just leave them behind. You're going to miss out on seeing Jesus. They were t- when they were getting on the roof, what are you crazy guys doing up there? Oh, oh I, I know they're not tearing off that roof. I know they're not trying to cut the line. I've been here all morning, and I haven't been able to get in, and they think they can just get up there. Oh, no. Uh-uh. In, in Venezuela, them are fighting words, folks. You don't cut the line down there. And so, uh, but do you, re- do you realize this is what's going on? By them getting on the roof and letting him down, they were cutting all the people that were trying to get in and couldn't get in. You had some ugly looks and ugly words probably going on here. People saying, you're crazy, you're this, probably insulting them. But you know what? They did not care. Now, folks, they didn't go pick him up and say, hey, bring your tools. We might need to break open the roof to get the guy in. So those hands, which are now probably callous from carrying the layman, now they had to use those same hands that were hurting to, to rip open a roof. Folks, I'm going to be honest. There was probably some blood left on that roof from them trying to get it open. But they were determined that nothing was going to stop them from their goal. What was their goal? getting a man who had a need to the man that could help fulfill the need. Are we seeing what's going on? And now, now, something interesting, folks. They were not promised that, hey, if you get him before Jesus, Jesus is going to heal him. There was no promise. They didn't, he didn't go to Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, if I bring this layman, can you, can you help him out? Yeah, go get him. Okay. No. It was just... We've heard of this guy who's doing things for people. I think he can do something for him. Let's go for it. Are are, are we understanding what's going on? It's like, wow, I don't know if I would have had that much faith. I think I would have checked first, you know, before I take, I would have taken him over. But these guys carried him. They, They carried the man. They lifted the man and then they lowered the man. And then we see, obviously, the the power of God through Jesus. And he says, your sins are forgiven and, 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 and take up that bed and walk. So we see that Jesus helped, helped the man by uh, helping his physical need. I bet you it helped his emotional need, but it also helped his spiritual need. He took care of all his problems just like that. Now tell me, be honest, is it easier with one or with four? With four, right? You feel like you do this for a little longer. You got this? Okay, so we'll keep going. Now, now folks, <clears throat> God can do great things, and he wants to do great things with us, but we have to be willing to be uncomfortable for a little bit sometimes. Now, imagine this. The four guys on the roof just peeking their heads after... Now, do you realize how big the hole had to be? It, it's, it's a bed. It needed to be at least four feet wide and, and like 
five feet long. Right? It's not just like, are you in there? Okay. No, no, it was, it was a hole on the roof that they did with their hands. And then they lowered him all together at the same time without dropping the guy. Now, that takes talent. That's like, hey, ready? Oh, whoops. He, he took the express lane down. No, no, no. They, they brought him down together. And God was able to do something. Jesus was able to do something for him. Because of their determination, says, their faith. Because of their faith. Now, we understand salvation is a personal thing, but it was their faith that God could do something that did something. Now, this, this is where I was trying to get to. Imagine being someone who was at the house, and you see all that's going on. And you're like, hey, isn't that that crazy? Hey, that's that layman that crazy guy was telling me to help out with. And I said no. Oh, that's kind of neat what he did for him. Man, I, I, I wish I could have been one of the four who, who could say, hey, I was one of the four that carried the lame man. I was one of the four that opened the roof and brought him before Jesus, and he got healed. I mean, I don't think in a prideful way, but that would have been pretty cool to say. I was part of that miracle. Now, what would you think is better to say, I was part of that miracle, or, yeah, I saw that miracle. I was, I, I, I saw the Super Bowl, or I was on the team who won the Super Bowl. I was just a water boy, but hey, I got to win. What would be cooler? What would be better? Folks, what would be better? Just to, to say, hey, I, I watched it. I, I, that's pretty cool. But to say, I was part of that team, that's awesome. Now, folks, it's, it's about time that we just stop being spectators in God's work and get involved in God's work. Now, these guys have been here a little bit, but, you know, th- there's other men in this church that could help out and could say, hey, I, I got this, bud. Why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you go sit down? I'll hold it. Sit down, sit down. No, it's okay. And then you have somebody else holding that weight. No volunteers, huh? Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, but you know what? There's other people that could step up and help out. You know, four is better than one, but six could even be better. And the more there are, the easier the job gets. As a matter of fact, the more that can be done. And you guys can put the chair down. You've done a great job. But I'm hoping you guys understand it's hard when one man tries to do it all. It's easier when others come to help him. He says, well, no one wants to help me. Hey, that guy did not quit because others told him, hey, I can't help you. He kept going and going and going until somebody said, I'll go with you. He wasn't promised anything, but he said, hey, there is hope over there. He needs that hope. And I'm the only one that can get him from there to there. Folks, you can't help lead a Venezuelan to the Lord. It's not going to happen right now. You're not going to get a visa. You're not going to go over there and say, hey, Brother Garcia, we're here. But we can. But you can help us stay there by praying for us, by giving. And you can help us be the ones that, that carry those that need to get to Jesus to where they need to go. You're the ones that can say, hey, Pastor, I want to help you so you're not the only one carrying people to Jesus. 
Ms. Montoro, I, I want to help you so you're not the only one that's dealing with ladies because I know there's ladies around that, that, that need some help. And I want to bring them to Jesus too. But do you realize that's all they were doing? They were bringing a man in need to the one that can help him. We can all do that. I'm not saying we've got to carry him, but we can guide him. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? What do you visit? I, I want you to see what's going on. You know, I, I, pastor's great, but it's not just pastor. It, God is good. And when we come to church, we hear about how good God is, and, and he's changed my life, and he can do something great in your life. Why don't you come? I don't know if they'll listen. Well, you'll never know if you never invite him. The guy never gave up. And he got to be part of the team that did something for God. Where are you at today? Are you a spectator? Are you one that says, oh man, I missed out. It could have been me. Are you the one that's encouraging others? Are you one that followed the encourager? Or maybe you're here and, and you're the layman. You're the one that, that needs the help. Spiritually. Maybe you're saved, but there's some other issues that, that you need some help with. Don't be too prideful to let others help you. you imagine if this guy would have said, What are you doing? Leave me alone! Don't touch me! Dude, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> he didn't, he, I mean, he, for real, he didn't know what they were doing. He didn't know where they were taking him. They can take him to the woods and just leave him out in the middle of nowhere. And there goes the lame man. I mean, it took some faith on this guy's part to say, okay, pick me up and carry me to I don't know where, to see who, I don't know who, but okay, please don't leave me somewhere. I don't want to be. That was humbling. It's like, guys, you know, I, I feel bad. I, I, I stink. I'm, I'm unworthy. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. We're going to get you some help. Because maybe we just need to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I, I need some help. Please take me to, to where I can get some help. Maybe we just need to say, I'm done being a spectator. I want to be involved. Maybe it's, it's, it's time that we say, you know what? I'm tired of, of, of having opportunities and missing out of being part of God's work. And, and if you're that encourager, keep on encouraging. Somebody eventually is going to say yes. Somebody eventually is going to help you carry that. What maybe seemed light at the beginning, but eventually becomes a little heavy. You were thankful when they came. It wasn't you know, the strongest, but it was a help. Folks, what I'm trying to say is like, well, I'm not ready to help any work. Well, that's okay. If you're willing, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. And I'm sure who needs the help is going to appreciate it, even though it's not that much. It'll be appreciated. Don't underestimate what God can do through you and with you when it comes to helping out in his work. Okay? So I want you to take your time. We're going to close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. But as we're closing, I want you to think about who am I in this passage? Who am I in this story? Am I the one that needs the help? Am I the one that's trying to encourage others to help? Am I the one that's getting involved? Or am I just one that's spectating and letting all the other people receive the blessing of being part of his work? Pastor?